Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, about 13 or 14 minutes only, but it keeps us in God's Word. That helps keep us focused on our relationship with God, upon our soul salvation, and also helps us to be better able to deal with life every day. Well, help people in your life by sharing these short studies every day with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Help somebody turn their life around. Help somebody grow in their faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, and help them not only grow in their faith, but help them get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're gonna get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about an unforgivable sin. Is there such a thing as an unforgivable sin? And again, in my many years of preaching and teaching God's Word and ministering to people, helping them understand the Scriptures better, I have run into a few who have thought that either they had committed an unforgivable sin or may have committed an unforgivable sin or have been so sinful, so ungodly, for so long a period of time that they thought God would not forgive them. Is there such a reality? Well, we did talk about, and we looked at the second half of Romans chapter 1, where God comes to a point, apparently, with some people who have gone so deeply into sinfulness, into a sinful mindset and lifestyle, that apparently he recognizes they're beyond, they're beyond repentance. They're beyond the point where they'll ever turn their lives around and come to him for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And he just lets them, you know, lie in the bed that they've made for themselves, you know, wallow in the muck and the mire of sin that they have engulfed themselves in. And so that particular text of Scripture uses the phrase, either he gave them up or he gave them over to that particular sinfulness and the consequences thereof. And so they're going to, they're going to you know, reap the, the reward, the negative, all the negativities of their sinful lifestyle. So there is that, but that is on the individual not on God. And it's not the idea that they could never be forgiven, but I think it's the understanding that they have so totally engulfed themselves in a sinful lifestyle that they're beyond repentance. I mean, they're beyond, their, their conscience doesn't work anymore. It's been seared as if with a hot iron, as the Apostle Paul puts it. So there's no feeling of, of remorse over sin in their life, maybe not even any recognition of sin anymore in their life. And so they're just kind of beyond that, you know, final line there of, of being able to turn back. But again, it's not, it, it, it's not on God, it's on them. Now, we looked at three texts of Scripture, and they're parallel texts, one from Matthew, one from Mark, one from Luke, wherein Jesus talks about an unforgivable sin. In fact, he even talks about, you, can, he, you know, a person could blaspheme him and still be forgiven, but to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is unforgivable. It's an eternal sin. And again, we looked at this in, in Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 3, and also Luke chapter 12. Now, so here's the question we left off last, with last time. 
is there a sin that a person cannot possibly be forgiven of? Is, is there a sin that God says, that's it? You're doomed for all of eternity. You may only be 20 years old right now, but you've committed this particular sin, and you may live for 60 more years, but you're going to hell when you die. There's no turning back from that. There's no way around it. Well, that does not make much sense when you consider that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8, that Christ died for man's sins, Hebrews 2 and verse 9, and that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, all should come to repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. So what is the understanding of what Jesus said there in Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 12? It was a time again of transition from the Old Testament law of Moses, and we're looking at, at, at history from a spiritual perspective now. So the Old Testament law of Moses, Jesus was on this earth bringing the gospel of salvation, forgiveness and salvation and eternal life through him as the Savior, and it was a period leading up to when Christ would die on that cross, be buried in that tomb, arise from that grave, and ascend back to heaven. And then on that following Pentecost, 10 days later, the church would come into existence, New Testament Christianity would be preached, and the Christian age would begin. So a person could have been alive in the closing days of the Old Testament law of Moses, during the time when Jesus was here preaching the gospel and declaring himself to be the savior of mankind, and also through the point when Christianity became a reality and the church was established. He could have lived easily through that transition period of time and seen all of those changes taking place. So, a person could have rejected the Old Testament teachings of following God and could have even blasphemed God. And most people in the world at that time, when Jesus came, did not believe in God. They were idol worshipers. But that person could still repent and accept Jesus as he came preaching the gospel, and through him they could be saved. Now, that same people, that, that, that same individual, rather, could have rejected Jesus while he was here on this earth teaching the gospel. They could have even blasphemed Jesus. And Jesus said, a person can blaspheme me, but still be, be saved if they will repent. And, and, and indeed, on Pentecost, 3,000 of those Jewish men about were baptized on that day. They became Christians. But Jesus, or rather Peter, was very pointedly and in a very straightforward fashion convicting many of them of their sinfulness in having rejected Jesus and perhaps even blaspheming his name. But they became Christians, at least many of them did. Now, Jesus, though, he said, 
if a person had rejected the Old Testament law of Moses as to how to follow God, if they had rejected Jesus when he was here on this earth preaching the gospel, they could still be forgiven if they would repent. But then he says, if a person rejected the Holy Spirit, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, then there was no forgiveness for that. So again, a person who blasphemes the Holy Spirit cannot be saved in that condition. Now understand, in that condition. What did, what did Peter tell the, those Jews who asked him, who asked him and the apostles on Pentecost, what shall we do? Repent. Repent. That was the very first instruction he gave them. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, when Peter and John were preaching to that crowd that gathered after the healing of the lame man, what did, what did Peter say? Let every one of you repent, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So a person, and what did we, what did we read at the end of our, of our last time together? How does scripture come to us? Now, Paul declares all Scripture to be the very Word of God, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, when he says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek there means it is God-breathed, so it is God's very Word. How did the writers write down God's very Word? We looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, and Peter said, they were guided by the Holy Spirit to write down God's very word. So God gave the Jewish people, the Israelites, his law through Moses. Now people could, could blaspheme that law and they could still be forgiven if they repented. Jesus came as the Savior, and many rejected him and probably even blasphemed his name, and then later repented and became Christians. But what if a person rejects God's word as being God's word? What if the person actually says, that Bible is a bunch of bunk? It is nonsense. It is gibberish. It is written by men. It is not God's word. What's left open to them? Nothing. What do we keep emphasizing at the beginning of these today's Bible class studies? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. How are we called to forgiveness and salvation? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Through the gospel message, the word of God. God's word, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, it, it pierces even to the, to the marrow. It, it, it touches our heart. It moves us, convicts us to repentance. But if you reject the word of God, which was given 
to the divinely inspired writers who wrote it down. They wrote it down by inspiration through the Holy Spirit. If you reject that, there is no nothing left for you. There is no other revelation. There is no other guidance. You've rejected the very last vestige of direction, of hope that God offers you. You've rejected his word. You've rejected the word that was written down by men who were guided to write God's very word by the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else beyond that. And so if you reject the word written through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you've rejected the word of the Spirit, and there is nothing else. There's no other hope. There's no other direction for you to take to seek forgiveness. You ultimately have to come back to the word. And if you will not do that, there is no hope for you. That, I believe, is what Jesus meant by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you reject the Bible, you've rejected all hope. And we'll come back and look a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us the Bible, the best guidebook that man can possibly live by. Help us to believe it and help us to properly apply it to our lives. Please guide us in this, Father, we pray, please. And help us to understand that it offers us the way of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life through Jesus. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.